up everyone welcome back to mile higher podcast episode is this 22 21 today 21 oh dang i'm like ahead of a week are you sure i thought the last one was 21 no today or or yeah i'm sorry today's yeah, 22 excuse me where are you i'm on the right day i'm still living in last <laughs> week apparently it is number 22 this week yes and today's podcast is going to be one of the creepier ones we've done, if not the creepiest yet. Um, I don't even normally fuck with serial killers this bad because it's so <laughs> scary and it freaks me out. Um, I think I've always been interested in older serial killer cases because they're like, it's farther removed. But what they did was fucked up. So we have today Fred and Rosemary West. These are the UK's most, I mean, crazy story for a serial killer i like to say they're like the most notorious serial killer couple yes. in uk history probably definitely because obviously there's other uk serial killers mm -hmm. um you know but jack ripper and stuff, but, how weird is that but yeah they're a brutal couple and shout out to our subscriber declan who showed me this case and requested this he's always been an awesome subscriber he actually does phenomenal makeup so i'm gonna link his instagram in the um description box but you, yes you we're doing this for you <laughs> doing this for you yeah no it's a it's a great topic and uh it's pretty mind-blowing what yeah. these people did but too. it's brutal you guys like definitely oh, if you're like you got kind of on the edge with the crime stuff like eh, this one is really really scary these people were straight up freaks so it's gonna just be it's gonna yeah be a this freaky. is straight horror basically yeah um yeah <laughs> these guys are monsters but... and we're gonna try to skip some of the more disturbing details but or will we <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, um, just real quick, did you want to uh, address just some of the things? Oh, yes. So, so obviously, last week we did a podcast on another British topic, um, Princess Diana and the royal family. And <laughs> we said it live at night. And so it went up for people in the UK first. And we got just ripped about pronunciation of words and a few other things that we said off cuff, just like, oh, I think it's like this. I think this is how the royal throne works. And we were just getting so many comments about it. And I just want to point out going forward that this is not PBS. This is not NPR. This is a fun podcast. Yes, we talk about serious topics, but we want this to be funny. We want this to be enjoyable. We are right. not experts. We have never claimed to be <laughs> experts at anything. How could we be far from it? Uh, we talk about so many different things, you guys. How can we become an expert on every single thing to the point where we don't miss like we get pronunciation for French words right? I mean, come on, we're not French. If you didn't notice, we ain't French. So like if you're gonna expect perfection, this is the wrong place because Josh and I are far from perfect and we've never like tried to be perfect. We're very real and that's that's just how we are. If you know, a lot of people do vibe with that and some people don't and they're looking for like I said, NPR right, level. Right. Like a professional radio cast. Like I, I just want to <laughs> remind everybody that this is this is called the Mile Mile Higher podcast for a reason. And yeah, we're coming from that our reason basement. is that we yeah, we're we're recording in our basement and we're just two regular blokes that, <laughs> that re Seriously. research, you know, we do we have access to all of the information that all of you have and that we don't is have the some internet secret wealth of info that we like are tapping into we're doing the best we can and especially with conspiracy theories dude it is hard if you haven't realized it researching <laughs> conspiracies is like next to impossible so we're bound to say like in the last podcast josh mentioned that he said something about the church being uh catholic which we didn't know it's actually a different type yeah the the royal family is not catholic just that's 
a correction that I have to make. But we didn't have that in our notes. We weren't reading it as if it was part of our thing. We just Josh no, it just came from my memory. Yeah, it just came out of my head, and for some reason, I've always associated. <laughs> I thought so too. I, mean, I know that they're not Catholic. It just yeah. It again, it's just one of those things that when you're in the moment, perfect. you you know sometimes shit just comes in your head, and yeah. you just say what comes in your head, and it may not always be right. So you can't. Yeah. Don't judge us too hard. Is yeah, all we're saying. I just want to like <laughs> seriously imagine if you were recorded for two hour, almost two hours straight, without I mean trying to just teach one of your friends about something, yeah. and someone fact checked everything you said and criticized <laughs> your pronunciation Nobody and just that. yeah, it doesn't happen. So well, that's the thing is it's we... difficult to do this for two hours live. It's hard. This I mean when you guys first saw me in the beginning of this, I would break out in a rash. I couldn't stop yawning. I was so nervous about being live for two hours straight because. On my channel, I can edit out when I say things wrong. Like when I say the wrong thing, I can take it out and fix it for you guys. It's more of a perfect yeah, package, exactly. but this is never going to be that. And if you're expecting that, then it's just probably not the place for you to be honest. Because <laughs> like the whole goal from this podcast from day one has been we want this to feel like as if you you guys are at the table with us yeah. just casually talking about these topics. We're your buddies, and not these, your the, teachers. Right, We're not exactly. your professor. We're your homies, guys. We're your homies. <laughs> We're not. We're YouTubers. This isn't Professor Josh and <laughs> Professor, Professor Kendall. <laughs> that's not what we're trying to do. And, you know, please don't go write your your papers based upon what we tell you. And we always encourage you to do your own research. Search and we do on the your best own. we can to get the most right. accurate information that we can. But like we said, things pop in our heads and sometimes things pop in your head that are just wrong. You remember hearing something yeah. wrong and all podcasts. I guarantee you every single podcast out there says one wrong thing. Uh, during yeah. it. And we're only human guys. We're I not... think a lot of people haven't ever watched a podcast. This is their first right. one and they're expecting the level of perfectionism <laughs> that is on our channel, yeah. which is highly edited videos that are made over the course of yes. a week or two. So we're sitting down doing this all at once and we're doing the best we can. We're having a blast. And I know most of you guys are. So it's it's really just a shout out to the, you know, the people that have been. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's us. not even it's not even that big of a deal. It's I'm, a tiny we're probably making it sound people. bigger a deal than it is. But well, we, we care about this so much that we just want to make sure we're all on the same page. with yes. this. That's it. Yes. We just want everybody under have a clear understanding of what the goal of the mile higher we don't want to be so stressed out sitting down that oh my god we might get something wrong or don't say anything off script because <laughs> it might be wrong that's not fun for you guys that's not fun for us and yeah. that's just not how it's going to be so no hope and you enjoy the you know lack of perfectionism because i think sometimes in this world we need a little it's okay to just chill yeah a little it's bit. it's fine that's it's supposed to be chill it's okay to not pronounce every word in france in french right i mean dang <laughs> that's pretty hard i mean come on seriously but we do seriously like some of you guys you know are not negative and, and super positive most and of you guys like give us so much love and support yeah. <laughs> and seriously guys you guys are the best we, we really we really so appreciate everybody out there that's listening watching and supporting we love us reading your comments it's like my favorite part of when the podcast goes live it's so much fun so anyway moving on just wanted to get that out of the way yes and on that note we want to thank all of our patrons as always, especially our stellar patrons, which the list just keeps growing. We got Jocelyn B, Elizabeth B, Rebecca H, Brittany M, Selena M, Marie C, Jake C, Gavin P, Raja B, Kaylin M. It's I feel like I'm rapping at this point. I'm like B, Jocelyn B, Elizabeth B. But thank you guys so much. You guys yes. are the shit. And this week's patron question comes from actually one of our stellar patrons, Brittany M. She said, hey, guys, my question is, if you could be an FBI agent for one case, which would it be? Ooh. Uh, Ooh. probably the casey anthony trial obviously Ooh. it's over but yeah. i would have wanted to work on that and try to find better evidence that she did it dude i would want to be on this pizza bomber 
No, oh, yeah. I'd want to be on the pizza bomber because that that is just like. And then you'd have to talk to whack ass Marjorie, yeah, yeah, whatever her seriously. name is. God, she's out of her mind. Yeah, that the the pizza bomber case is. I'm obsessed with it. It's so interesting. So I would say yeah. I'd probably want to be the FBI agent on that case. I think. Yes. But great question. Thank you. Yes, and um, before we get going on our main topic today, I have one subtopic for you guys. I just wanted to update those of you who watched my video on William Tyrrell. He's a little boy from Australia. He was a foster child, disappeared at the age of three from Kendall, New South Wales. He's been missing since September 12th of 2014. And on September 11th, 2014, they decided not to take their kids to their grandma's house. Or the, sorry, they took their kids to their grandma's house. And then September 12th, if you guys remember, they were just playing right. outside in the backyard. It was like completely normal. The mom went out, went inside to go make some tea. And when she came out, he was gone. He was the little boy who was wearing the Spider-Man suit when he went missing, right. if you remember that. So I have a little bit of an update. Um, yeah, God. Yeah, this one was uh, so sad. Well, remember, we actually yeah. got told about this by um, someone in Australia. We met a subscriber in Australia in a casino, and she told me about this oh, case. Oh, yeah, she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So last Tuesday, the 12th, it was announced that new information and a potential new suspect has been found. And they're now starting to starting to perform a search in the new area close to Kendall. Police have not said exactly what led them to this area, but they have confirmed that it will be a full week long search. And the media has really jumped on this. So I think there's something coming like this is something to keep your eyes on. So the search will cover the same ground as well as new ground, new areas. Um, the police have warned William Tyrrell's kidnapper to just come to us before we come to you. So that means they're getting close. They probably they, have a good idea. It seems like they're closing in on him. If they're, mm -hmm. if they're saying these kinds of things, and they probably have figured it out. Yeah, like I they've they, figured out who so. has him. They're just like, they're they don't have in. quite enough right. evidence to nail to them down. To just go grab them, yeah. They wouldn't put out like statements like that unless they really did have something because of how upsetting that is to the family. And like giving the community false hope and stuff, they wouldn't be making this huge right. deal about it. There's been tons of news on this. Um, so lead investigator detective Chief Inspector Gary, I think it's Jublin, yeah. issued a stern warning to people with information and he said, although police have grave fears for the boy, there is a possibility that he is still alive. So that's, I mean, it's probably not the greatest chance in the world, but if there's even a hope, then they need to be working as quickly as they can. And yeah. it seems like they're really putting a lot of resources towards this right now. Which um, is which is pretty unheard of for a, a missing persons case that's gone on this long, you know, years from now. Yes. So it's good that it's kind of, it's still alive and... They think that he's still alive. He could be, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of kids who like end up staying with their captors for years. It's crazy. Um, but on June 13th, a child's toy along with other bags of evidence were collected at the new search area. Um, however, police have not confirmed when he, whether any of these new discoveries they will identify any link to the missing boy. So police announced that they were focusing on finding evidence to show his disappearance was a result of human intervention and not misadventure. Right. Because a lot of people just thought he wandered off. They lived in a really um, kind of foresty neighborhood with a like, huge open lots and tons of land. So a lot of people thought he just like wandered off. Yeah. And, and just got, kind of drowned or yeah, fell or, into something. But or, they, they combed the area, dude. They had so much investigators at first. Um, but they believe that Williams' abductor has already come under the investigation's radar. And the new search combined with the million-dollar reward on offer 
and the intense media interest would mean that the person involved in this, I am certain, would be feeling a great deal of pressure right now. That's from the detective that's working on this. Yes. Interesting. So it sounds yeah. like they've got they've kind of pinpointed the location of where they think he might be. Yeah. Whether he's dead or alive at this point. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, we're all hoping that he's alive. Yeah. I mean, that'd be, be. I mean, for incredible. the police to even sh like show any shred of hope for that is pretty good. That yeah. Means they yeah. Think it, it could and be. And the million dollar reward, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a pretty that's huge. That's a huge reward for that. For, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Missing person. So that that means uh, it really seems like they're trying to lure whoever this kidnapper could be out of hiding and, you know, hopefully give up uh poor william so yeah let's hope all, yeah. you know positive vibes going towards that so For sure all right fred and rosemary west and the unspeakable horrors that they committed on 25 cromwell street yeah it's so just to preface this this is a huge a huge case yes and there are a lot of different people there's a lot of victims there's a lot of names there's there's a lot of information with this. So if we aren't able to capture all of that, just know that there, you know, we'll put resources in the description so you guys can look more into this case and look at the official timeline because there's a lot of people involved. Obviously, yeah. with a serial killer, there's a lot of victims. So let's first talk about who Fred and Rosemary West are. Mm -hmm. Fred West was uh, born as Frederick Walter Stephen West. He was born on September 29th. 1941 at Bickerton Cottage, uh, much Marcel uh, Herefordshire. I probably pronounced that wrong. I think it's wrong. Markle, much Markle. Mar much Markle. Remember. Okay. Yes. We're gonna get so many things yes. wrong again. Of course, this is in the UK. Of course, UK these thing. crazy English names. They're so beautiful. But they like, are. We just aren't classy <laughs> They're so enough grand. To say them yeah. Right. <laughs> like we, our streets are very simple here, and our keep it keep you know yeah. Denver. You know, it's yeah. like easy to say. <laughs> totally. But Fred was the second of six children, and he was always his mother's favorite. He was seen as a mama's boy and relied mostly on his siblings for companionship. A little too much of a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. we'll get into that. And his father was named Walter Stephen Wesson. He was a very, very bad man, very violent man, who could have very well been a serial killer himself. And maybe he was. I mean, it was easier to get away with that kind of shit. Honestly, then. yeah. So when Walter, um, Fred's dad, married his first wife, she was only around for two years until she randomly died from a bee sting. And many people think that she was actually killed by Walter. Yeah, probably. So it seems like he has the MO of a killer. And Walter had the attitude of, if you can get away with it, might as well do it. That's a very dangerous mindset to have. But Walter enjoyed violent sex and also had a history of assaulting women in the fields nearby while Fred watched. So yeah. a very important thing with this is Fred is exposed to this violence, this sexual assault, possibly even murder at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Fred learned from his father that he had the right to take whatever he wanted. And if an opportunity arose to take advantage of a woman, Walter made it clear that Fred had the rights to that woman and would be stupid not to take advantage of her body. Horrible thing to teach your kids. Seriously. The hell. <laughs> That's and terrible. Exactly. And Walter also encouraged Fred to partake in bestiality. Oh, this is so weird. And he wasn't ashamed that his son had sexual encounters with sheep and even his pet pig at one point. Yeah. In their house, though, he would see his dad doing it. So he would be like, well, I guess that's normal. Like, we all learn right. from our parents. It's hard to 
it's you're I a mean, product of your environment yes, in a lot of ways. It's yes. very true. Like, and you wonder like who was these people's parents? It goes back. How far does this like fuckery go back? Um, yeah, and 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 what you're gonna see is that his childhood has an extreme effect on who he becomes mm -hmm. later in life, mm -hmm. because Fred's mom, Daisy Hannah Hill, was very old fashioned and strict. She was thought to be the ruler of the household, actually, and she would make the rules and the punishments. She also had sexual obsessions, and at age 13, Fred was raped by his mother. Wow, what fucked up parents. Yeah, as soon as he could basically have sex, she was having sex with him. Oh. And it's not just like really rape. He was like, it was like a, a thing that they did. Like she yeah. was encouraging all the siblings and incest. Yeah, they yeah. were basically like, it was like a just, love thing. Yeah, and like this weird, how we connect with each way. other. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So all, all the West children, including Fred, were born into this family of farm laborers and they were expected to perform assigned chores and all six of them that's how many kids there were did seasonal work and the three girls picked hops and strawberries and then the three boys harvested wheat and hunted rabbits and the necessity of working to earn a living or even just to survive instilled a strong work ethic in fred who also developed a lifelong habit of theft so learning lots of great traits at a young mm -hmm. age dear god fred's childhood was obviously very scarring. He had a pet pig until they slaughtered it in front of the children in the kitchen. The same one that Fred had sex with. That's oh, fucking God. terrible. That must have been... Ugh. Talk about traumatic. Yeah. Talk about like PTSD. Ugh. Good God. And ever since Fred was a child, he had to face the idea of death. He had to shoot rabbits and rats, which he actually enjoyed, um, which is a sign of a serial killer. Yeah. Most of the times they enjoy killing animals. No. Um, it's usually a kind of a first sign that people notice with people that end up being serial killers And because of what uh, Fred's parents exposed him to at such a young age the bestiality rape incest killing Fred grew up thinking that these were acceptable and normal behaviors because he legit did not know the difference between You know, he it's not like he knew the other side of what a, a proper childhood was like, you know, you yeah. only know one thing as a kid and you're gonna Especially go with that when both parents are like this doing like, the same thing. Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean you have no one good to learn from right no positive influence. Mm -mm. Yeah And because of the fact that Fred's parents were so different his father was laid back and encouraged Fred to do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted and The fact that his mother was extremely strict and wanted full control over him Fred was stuck in was stuck in a between a situation known as the double bind situation which is a emotionally distressing dilemma in communication in which an individual or group receives two or more conflicting messages and one mes message negates the other. So I can totally see that. It makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. So it's an, it's an actual thing that he experienced. This is an actual, um, I don't know yeah. if it's a disorder or whatever, but yeah. it's an actual but he thing. He basically just didn't have the ability to determine right from wrong. And he was raised to just do whatever he wanted to do when he got the urge to do it and not think much about the consequences of doing those things. Right. And that, so <laughs> that's just his childhood. And later in life at 17, he was actually hospitalized after crashing his bike and suffered serious head injuries. And that's another thing that, you know, obviously these people are not right in the head and you know, a lot of that could be learned behavior, but some of it could be straight up like CTE, like, you know, a traumatic brain injury. And that because they said that after the crash, the fam his family noticed that he started lying, bragging, and stealing. And Fred's family said that his per personality completely changed. 
And actually two years after that crash, Fred was charged with his first sex crime. Fred was uh, being charged of raping and impregnating his 13-year-old sister. Ugh, However, Fred never received punishment because his sister refused to testify against him. Yeah, they were like taught that this is like a good thing. She, the mom like made him have sex with his sister. Yeah, that's just oh, so, so weird. Fucked. But you got to wonder like what was this was obviously acceptable to that mother too. How long of incest and bestiality? Uh, how long has this been going decades on? Decades and oh crazy generations man it must be it'd be interesting to go way mm -hmm. back and see if this mm -hmm. is literally going on for hundreds of years because this is like such a extreme bizarre yeah you know flip but part of what made fred so dangerous was the fact that upon first impression fred seemed like this wonderful sweet charming young man and there was no signs or any red flags or character flaws at immediate glance which that's how a lot of them are too some of the serial killers are the most charming Mm -hmm. people you know and you know even decent looking you know they like he they, was pretty good look. looking i will say like for a young boy when he was younger like 13 he was like a good looking kid like he i feel like he could have been a good kid if he was raised by good people mm -hmm. i mean even in, in like later interviews with him he's very charming very uh i don't even know how to say it like not charming in a good way but like conniving manipulative yeah um almost likable in a weird sick way and a lot of these serial killers are they like mm -hmm. have this bizarre way of talking and convincing you of anything and it's just wild manipulators yeah. is the word yes extreme manipulation they extreme. have the ability to manipulate you and make you think they're charming and everything else yes so that's that's a brief description of fred and mm -hmm. if you don't think fred is fucked up then here's rose who he ends yeah. up marrying. This is Rosemary Pauline Letts is her main name. And she was born on November 29, 1953. She's from uh, uh, so Northam, funny. Devon, England. I guessed his sign. I was like, since he's so charming, he's, I bet he's a Libra. Yeah, he is September 29th. 29th. Yeah, and she is uh, November 29th. Interesting, they're both on 29th. That is kind of interesting. So she's a Sagittarius? Yeah. So... Rosemary's mother, Daisy, uh, Daisy, weird. Both their mom's names are, are Daisy. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, they have this these weird connections with each other. But Rosemary's mother suffered from depression and was given um, ECT, which is the electroconvulsive therapy, while pregnant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some have argued that this um, ECT could have caused prenatal injuries to uh, Rosemary when she was um, being carried by her mother and they were doing electroshock therapy on like tons mm -hmm. of women back then and some so many of them ended up with brain damage their children suffered it was crazy and they were using really high levels of voltage super high that uh, <laughs> damaging that, high yeah, i can almost kill you yeah because they thought that the, it was like the psychiatric treatment that would be able to like somehow resolve provide like yeah. relief from mental disorders and yeah. stuff like such an archaic thought like way of thinking so maybe we just shock the brain it'll just Ugh. cure them yeah seriously <laughs> meanwhile it's causing way more damage than good so but what's interesting is that while rose um so her name's rosemary but we'll call her rose um i think it's rosemary rosemary that's how they were pronouncing it and really I, I mean again i'm sure everything's pronounced different if it's coming from somebody from yeah. england that's you know? true yeah they, i mean they they would pronounce everything we're saying different Probably. <laughs> what if we like attempted to do a British accent? During oh this God! Whole podcast no, then the royal one. talk about hate. <laughs> we get some we serious. Gotten... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we would have sucked. Bloody out. hell! 
I only know the only British words I know are from Harry Potter. That's how sad it is because neither neither of us have been to England yet, and that's on our list. But yeah, Europe in general, we want yeah, to go to Europe. Yeah, but I only know bloody hell, Harry. You know when he says that. Bloody hell, yeah. <laughs> they always say bloody hell. Isn't that what Hagrid says to him? Or I don't really uh, they remember. say it to each other all the time. But anyways, <laughs> sorry. Okay. When Rose was a baby, she showed signs that something developmentally was not right. Mm-hmm. She would actually rock in her cot and bang her head. Who is letting their daughter bang their head? Dude, this is a real thing though. When babies have like serious like mental issues, they they start banging their head on their crib. Really? Like I've heard of tons of cases like this. Actually, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Like tons of the videos I've done and stuff. Have it's like an people early started sign. like that. Yeah, doing that sign. kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And apparently she got the nickname Dozy Rosie because she would show the types of behavior that were associated with neurological damage. So that means um, during the most advanced uh, elements of brain development um, actually occurred much later on in the pregnancy than normal. So it was thought that there were several parts of her brain that could have abnormally developed, which could contribute to all the crazy shit that she did. they so psychologists think that is possible that the development delay is what caused Rose to not feel guilt, shame, or regret when she committed murder essentially later in her life. Because they've actually looked at the brains of murderers and people and been able to compare um, what the pre uh, sorry the prefrontal cortex area of the brain looks different when um, uh, whenever we um, and people who are murderers, it looks to be less active. Like so, people can, you yeah, can you suppress can see the activity their urges. Stuff. Right, it looks different for pe- from people who can't. Who can't? Right. That's interesting. Yeah. But Rose's father, Bill Letts, was a schizophrenic and was prone to extremely violent mood swings. So, violent father, just like yeah. Fred. He also repeatedly sexually abused Rose, which was described as even worse than what Fred did yeah. to his children. Uh, during his during her childhood, Rose's mother became very depressed and was not highly involved with the family. And because Rose's mother seemed to be checked out due to her depression, her father turned to Rose to fulfill that sexual hole that Daisy was not able to fulfill. She was having sex with her dad so uh, young. It's so, so, so disgusting. creepy. Uh, so disgusting. What the fuck? Because she was having sexual relations with her father at a very young age, she grew up thinking that she could use sex as a tool to get what she wanted in life. Mm-hmm. So Rosemary grew up into a moody teenager who usually performed poorly in school. Rose's parents separated when she was a teenager and Rose lived with her mother and attended Cleve School for six months, later moving in with her father at the age of 16. Um, And at that onset of puberty, Rose reportedly became fascinated by her developing body and purposely parade naked or semi-naked around the house in the presence of her younger brother, Graham. Weird. That's bizarre. And because of the absence from her mother, as well as the fucked up perspective she had on sex because of her father, Rose was left with unfulfilled emotional needs, which would only be satisfied when she met Fred. Mm-hmm. She was so messed up. I mean, can and can you blame her? It's so hard. I always have with these killers have this like shred of compassion for them. And some people just don't understand how you could, how you could, but it's just like, God, they went through so much as a kid. Yeah. How could you have expected them to be normal? Yeah. It's just you not, the, it's not an equation that adds up. Yeah. You know? They were straight up taught like Rose's mother straight up taught her that like 
you should do whatever a man tells you to yeah. do. Your body is their property. And her mom was depressed as hell. So she didn't have a good right. woman figure in her life. And then she had her father like constantly raping her. So, yeah, I mean. So they both came from very up. fucked up childhood. Yeah. It's like, it's very clear. I mean, it's not all that surprising that they turned out the way that they yeah. did based upon their childhood. Yeah. But an interesting thing before we talk about um, those two together, Fred actually had a first marriage before Rosemary, and that was with Rena Costello. Mm -hmm. And in 1962, Fred was with his brother John when he met a Scottish woman named Rena Costello. And at the time, Fred was truck driving when 18-year-old Rena hitched a ride. Rena was pregnant at the time they met, and they agreed to say that the baby was Fred's and that she had come to England to find her baby daddy. They also decided to get married out of convenience so that she could stay in England because they were, I think they were trying to kick her out. And in 1963, Rena's baby and now Fred's stepdaughter, Charmaine, was born. The couple would pretend that the baby was adopted to hide the truth about the baby not being Fred's because of the fact that uh, Charmaine's biological father was actually Pakistani and therefore wouldn't look anything like Fred. Hmm. After Charmaine was born, Rena and Fred decided they'd move to Glasgow, England. Once in Glasgow, Brett, Fred had come to learn that Rena was also a stripper. Sweet. Glasgow. Glasgow. Sorry, uh, not Glasgow. <laughs> I said Glasgow. <laughs> Again, the slip of the tongue. <laughs> it's, it's Glasgow. It's probably Glasgow. Okay. Oh, God, we're going to sound so American when we go to England. People are going to be like, you guys are American, right? <laughs> I'm like, Glasgow. All right. Fred had So Fred found out that Rena was a stripper. And soon after, Rena and Fred had a second child of their uh, first of their very own named Anna Marie West. And in 1964, Fred took a job driving an ice cream van. What the fuck? <laughs> That's scary. So this is like Ew. shit out of a horror movie, dude. This is. Like... And it was during this time when Fred met Anne McFall, a younger woman who Fred grew close with. Anne McFall told Fred about how her mother was an alcoholic and would sell her body for drinks. He ended up convincing her to get away from that bad situation and to instead go home with him. Mm. And he said that she could stay there for as long as she wanted. <laughs> of course. So convenient. And in 1965, a year later, Fred West accidentally killed a child. He was on, he was on his ice cream rounds when he accidentally ran, just ran over a four-year-old boy. I'm sure it was an accident. I'm fucking sure. That's sarcasm, right? Yes, sarcasm. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you can't detect my sarcasm, but yes. What the hell? Come on. He hit him. He on probably purpose. saw a kid. It was just like, oh, Bleh. good opportunity. I like killing things. I want to see this kid. Ugh. Poor kid, and he wasn't convicted, and he probably we don't even know his name. No, we have no clue. Uh, yeah. He, because in December 1965, Fred left his wife Rena in Glasgow and took his children back home to England. Fred had to hand his two daughters over to social services until he found someone to look after 18-month-old Anne Marie and his stepdaughter Charmaine while he was at work. And that's when Anne McFall came back into the picture and they actually started a relationship. Within months of their relationship, Anne became pregnant with Fred's child, and soon after, Rena arrived back to Fred's house unannounced. <laughs> like, what the hell, dude? Where'd you go with my kid? Fred was worried that Rena would become violent if she found out that Fred had been living with his pregnant girlfriend. So in 1967, Anne McFall was last seen alive watching Gloucester Carnival. Wes claimed that he moved Anne to a different location to keep her away from his wife, Rena. 
He was driving back when he got to Anne's RV park when Anne was killed. Uh. And in, apparently in secret defense tapes, Wes claimed he found Rena and her pimp at Anne's RV. There was a body in the suitcase. That's creepy as hell. So she was never reported missing, but her dismembered remains were found buried at the edge of a cornfield between Much Markle and Kempley in June 1994. Ah. So that was... That was her. So the month after Anne's death, Rena returned to live with Fred and the couple relocated to the Lake House uh, Caravan Park. The relationship initially improved, but Rena left the following year, again leaving the children in his care. Rena maintain, maintained sporadic contact with her children on each occasion she and Fred separated. She also was known to have visited Moorcart Cottage to inquire as to her children's whereabouts and welfare sometime in August 1971. Fred's sister-in-law, Christine, later recollected uh, Rena was very depressed and extremely anxious about her children's well-being. And Rena sought to confront Fred, likely to discuss or demand custody of her daughters, and this was the final time that Rena was seen alive. And she was believed to have been murdered by being strangled, possibly in the backseat of Fred's Ford, um, while likely intoxicated. Wow. So Fred is just offing them, offing them one by one to maintain his, what, you know, his agenda and keep himself safe. Yeah. And her body was actually not discovered until almost 20 years after she went missing. And that's what's so interesting is he, he, Fred really covers his tracks and covers, Mm -hmm. you know, where he hides bodies. Yeah. It took a long time for them to figure this stuff out. And I won't I won't bore you with the gory details, but essentially the bodies of these people that Fred kills are dismembered, um, show signs of sexual assault, are very fucked up, extremely fucked up. Uh, he, yeah, he completely dismembers the body, cutting off the legs and head. The arms were left on the torso. Just really weird shit like that. Yeah, he was getting really weird with it. Like it wasn't just like killing people and like ditching their body. It was like a passion thing, an anger thing. Yes, and there's there's actually like lots of uh, there's actually clips of YouTube of him talking about what he did exactly, um, and it's very disturbing. Um, he recounts how he filled the hole with the body and then washed himself off. He said that by the time he was done burying the body, the ground looked like it hadn't even been touched. That's how that's crazy yeah. to think that he was able to do that. Mm-hmm. He then gathered all of her clothes, tied them up, and found a fire nearby to burn her clothes. He just finds a fire. Yeah. But I mean, it's interesting that he's like, obviously got mental problems and, but he's also still smart enough to cover his tracks and be sneaky yeah. and secretive and, yeah. and really hide we these bodies for dad, years. Must well, have. not that his dad, I mean, maybe actually from his dad, but like the, the, if someone stands in your way, you get rid of them. If something like you do anything you want, you take what you want in this world. And if people try to stop you, you take it from them, rape yeah. them or yeah. you kill them. Yeah. And well, I'm sure a, his father killed people. I would be shocked if his father did. No, I think absolutely. I bet you there's all sorts of cold cases and yeah. stuff that he could be tied to. There's maybe. so many from back in the day, man, like a ton that are unsolved. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So, yeah. So Fred later on 1994 actually took them to the burial site um, and they actually found remains of Rena. Yeah. Once he was finally caught. Yep. All right, so back to Fred and Rosemary. Fred first encountered Rosemary Lutz in early 1969, and the pair first met at a bus station. Initially, Rose was repulsed by Fred's unkept appearance, 
but she quickly became flattered by the attention Fred continued to lavish upon her over the following days as he invariably sat alongside her at the same bus stop. Rosemary twice refused to accompany Fred upon a date, but she agreed to allow him to accompany her home. And in their initial conversations, Fred quickly discovered that although Rose had never had a boyfriend, she was overly promiscuous. Mm. He also extracted a degree of sympathy from her by claiming he and his two daughters had been abandoned by his wife and that he wished for more children. So he was very conniving and just oh, a liar, even though he's a fucking killer, savage. And within weeks of her first meeting, uh, Fred Rose left her job working at a bread shop in order to become the nanny to Charmaine and Anna Marie Fred's kids. And this decision was made with the agreement that Fred would provide her with sufficient money to give her uh, give to her parents on Fridays to convince them that she was obtaining a salary at the bread shop. <laughs> lies after lies. So several months later, Rose introduced Fred to her family and neither of them approved of Rose dating an older man. Yeah, because they're older uh, well, by you like know five what? Maybe you years. shouldn't have been raping your daughter. There's a reason she's ending up in weird relationships with odd people you may not like. God. Seriously. Like, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah. They're like, so odd. Yeah, her parents completely forbid uh, their daughter to continue to date Fred. <laughs> but of course, she's like, fuck you guys and, and yeah. rebelled and, and visited Fred anyway at 15 years old. And she was dating Fred, who was like at least five to 10 years older, I believe. Ew. Don't quote me on that. But but so he was quite a bit older. That would have been illegal um, probably at that time and definitely today. And they actually had heard rumors that Rose had begun to engage in prostitution at his caravan. Nice. So in response, Rose was placed in a home for troubled teenagers in August 1969 and only allowed to leave under controlled conditions. But on her 16th birthday, Rose left home, uh, left that home. And Fred at the time was serving a 30 day sentence in jail for theft and unpaid fines. And upon Fred's release, Rose left her parents home to move into Fred's house. And shortly thereafter, Fred collected Charmaine and Anna Marie from the social services and Bill Letts made one final effort to prevent his daughter from seeing Fred, and Rose was examined by a police surgeon in February 1970 who confirmed she was pregnant. Wow, so they were already pregnant. Yeah. In response, Fred was again placed into care, but was discharged on March 6th on the understanding that she would terminate her pregnancy with, Fred's, with Fred and return to her family. Instead, Rose opted to live with Fred resulting in her father basically telling her to never come home. And on the 17th of October, 1970, Rose gave birth to their first child, a daughter they named Heather Ann. So this was Fred and Rosemary's first kid together. Two months after that, Fred is in prison for the theft of car tires and vehicle tax, tax disc. He remained in prison until June 24th, 1971, and as he served this six and a half month sentence, Rose, having just turned 17, looked after the three girls, Charmaine, Anna Marie, and Heather. And were actually being told to refer to Rose as their mother. And unfortunately, while Fred was in jail, Rosemary abused Charmaine and Anna Marie. According to Anna Marie West, she and Charmaine were frequently subjected to criticism, beatings, and other forms of punishment throughout the time they lived under Rose's care. Charmaine repeatedly uh, became infuriated, or 
Charmaine repeatedly infuriated Rose by her refusal to either cry or display any sign of grief or servitude, no matter how severely she was physically punished. She's so Rose was like straight up like, I'm going to break you kids. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like Charlemagne. So she could rule over them. Charmaine. Sorry, I said Charlemagne. But yeah, I feel like she just had been through so much in her life that she just was like, whatever, dude, do whatever you want to me. Yeah. Yeah, they they severely physically punished Charmaine and yet her spirit had never been broken and she talked wistfully to Anne Marie of the belief that she held her mummy will come and save me. And her mom's dead. Yeah, Rena. Anne Marie also later recollected her sister repeatedly provoking Rose by making statements such as my real mummy would wouldn't swear or shout at us in responses to Rose's Horrific language. I'm sure that just made her even more. Mad. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that just like, oh, she's just probably raised whenever she would say that. A childhood friend of Charmaine's who had lived in the upper house um, up the road named Tracy Giles would later recollect and or recollect an incident in which she had entered uh, the West flat unannounced, only to see Charmaine naked and standing upon a chair gagged with her hands bound behind her back with a belt. Jesus. As Rose stood alongside the child with a large wooden spoon in her hand. According to Tracy, Charmaine had been calm and unconcerned, whereas Anne, Anna Marie had been standing by the door with a blank expression on her face. God. God, what the hell? So, That's sad. so fucked up. And hospital records reveal that Charmaine had received treatment for a severe puncture wound to her left ankle um, at the emergency room on March 28, 1971. This incident was explained by Rose to have resulted from a household accident, of course. That's fucked. So she's like, she's like sick in the fact that she's taking every chance to punish these kids. Yeah. But when she punishes them, she inflicts actual physical harm on them. Yes. To probably to satisfy her, you know, sick need to, you know, maim people. Yeah. All right. This is, this is where it gets a bit sad. Yeah. But Rosemary is believed to have killed Charmaine shortly after Fred was released from prison on June 24, 1971. She is known to have taken Charmaine, Anna Marie, and Heather to visit Fred on June 15th, but it's believed to be on or very shortly after this date that Charmaine was murdered. Um, Forensic odontology odontology confirmation that Charmaine had died while Fred was still incarcerated. Um, further testimony from Tracy's mother, Shirley Giles, confirmed the fact that Charmaine had been murdered before Fred had been released on June 24th. And in later testimony at ultimately Rosemary's trial, she also, uh, Mrs. Giles also stated she and her family had lived in the upper flat and that her two daughters had been playmates of Charmaine and Anna Marie. And Mrs. Giles stated that her family had uh, vacated on April, uh, their apartment in 1971. And one day in June, she had brought Tracy to visit Charmaine only for Tracy to be told by Rose she's gone to live with her mother and bloody good riddance. So she was gone. She's basically saying she was like she had a good feeling that she was gone, like yeah. dead at this point. Yeah. So Rose seems like Rosemary definitely killed Charmaine. And Charmaine's body was initially stowed in the coal cellar until Fred was released from prison, which he later buried her naked body in the yard close to the back door of their apartment. And remain adamant that he had not dismembered this victim. An autopsy suggested the body had been severed at the hip 
This damage may have been caused by uh, building work Fred conducted at the property in 1976. Several bones, uh, the patella, finger, wrist, toe, ankle bones were missing from the skeleton. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, they like to keep bones as keepsakes. Of, what the fuck? That's yeah, so dude. crazy. I know. The things so nightmares are made of, right? Ugh. So Fred's out of prison, and after he gets out of prison, he marries his darling Rosemary on January 29, 1972. And several months later, Rose is pregnant again with her second child, uh, Stephen. The couple moved um, from their Midland Road to an address nearby, and this is the infamous 25 Cromwell Street. Yes. Shortly after giving birth, yeah, shortly after giving birth to her second child, Rose began to work as a prostitute operating from an upstairs room at their residence and advertising her services in a local magazine. And Fred would literally encourage men to come and have sex with his wife. <laughs> and as well as being a prostitute, Rose would have sex with males and females um, who would end up staying in her home. And when engaging in sexual relations with women, Rosemary would gradually increase the level of brutality to which she subjected her partner with acts such as partially suffocating her partner or inserting increasingly large dildos into her into their body. Ugh. If the woman resisted or expressed any pain or fear, this would greatly excite Rose. Who would yeah, and women uh or she would typically ask the women, aren't you woman enough to take it? So oh she would like God, it's so cringy. Just brutal, man. And too many of this women became apparent. Rose and her husband, who regularly anticipated in threesomes with his wife and her lovers, took a particular pleasure from seeking to take women beyond their sexual limits. They involved bondage, um, and Fred would creepily watch through holes in the wall. Yeah. And they would they would be doing like some dominatrix shit. They would be like tying people up bondage. It was just basically a bunch of weird, creepy stuff. And like there's more information out there if you want to like get more into that stuff. It's just very uncomfortable. And I know there's people who get yeah. uncomfortable listening to this. Yeah, they yeah, it's pretty fucked up. And they they would do like they would have um really like disgusting porn on and all this other yeah. stuff. They would just take it to the max. They were just sick. Literally sick. Yeah, they would call the room that Rose would do this stuff in as Rose's room and they and Fred had made hidden peepholes so that he could watch her through them. Ugh, so creepy. So weird. And apparently when Rose's father, Bill Letts, discovered Rose was doing this stuff, this prostitution, he would also visit to have sex with his daughter. That's fucking disgusting. I, as you can see, the, this is just like the most like fucked up situation ever. This, this case is, is so yeah, like so ugh, it's brutal. just crazy. And by 1983, Rose would have given birth to eight children, at least three of whom were conceived by clients. <sighs> Whoa, that's crazy. That's yeah, just crazy. so they don't even yeah. God, God. So, so yeah, the the br brutality continues. Um, when each of the of Fred and Rose's children reached the age of seven, they were assigned. Uh, to numerous chores to perform in the house and they were seldom allowed outside to socialize um, outside of the household perimeters unless Fred or Rose were present. So they were super strict. They always kept them super close obviously because they're doing all this fucked up shit and yeah. you know your kids can rat you out so yeah. they were very strict yeah. and had very harsh punishment for their children. The, violent was the violence was actually sometimes irrational, indiscreet or just inflicted for their pure amusement. And she and Rose specifically always took great care not to mark the children's faces or hands in these assaults. 
Heather, their, uh, Heather, then her younger brother, uh, Stephen, ran away from home. Both returned to Cromwell Street after several weeks of alternately sleeping uh, outside or staying with friends, and both were beaten when they returned they home. They just hated their life so much. Yeah, they were probably kids. like, fuck this. Between 1972 and 1992, the West children were admitted to the emergency department of local hospitals 31 times. 31 times. Damn. The injuries were explained as accidents and never reported. I don't understand. Why the hell what the fuck does are, this continue? This, this is, is such a failure of the system. This is a perfect example of kids slipping through the cracks. Like, come on. How? Put it together. Nobody when someone's wife together? randomly died and all these strange things happen. And then there's these kids are clearly messed up coming in 31 times. That's outrageous that no one caught on. That's unexcusable. I, it's cr it blows my mind to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. Thirty-one emergency room visits from one family, and it's all the kids. Sick. So by 1992, Fred and Rose had raised eleven children, what they called their family of love. Even though two of them have already been killed. Yeah. What the hell? And in 1992, uh, police raided his home following allegations that he raped his daughter. They found magazines where his wife actually advertised her prostitution services under the name Mandy. There was also a big collection of porn tapes with many of the scenes, including bondage and torture of young women. Police took the five children away in 1992, and Fred was accused of filming the rape of one of his daughters. Oh, God. The children described their Ugh. upbringing as constant abuse and constant abuse. I would describe that as literally hell. Yeah, like definitely. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine what they're like. Like, it's hard to even put yourself in these people's shoes, like these kids. What it was like being in this situation. Oh, it, unimaginable. Yeah. Hell on earth. So another one of, of Fred and Rose's uh, kids named Heather. Yeah. Um, some shit, some really horrible shit weird. happens to her. Yeah. So Heather was one of the 12 children Fred raised over the course of two marriages and 16 year old Heather West disappeared from the house in um, either 1986 or 1987. I can't remember. But when the kids were under uh, the care of Fred, they talked about a family joke. This is so the other kids talked about this. weird. They would say he would say like joke around with them and say like, don't don't screw around or don't mess with us or you're going to end up like your sister. Two down, two down and three, three over, across. Three across, yeah. On their patio. And those are like uh, these big square tiles they had. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the kids thought it was real. I think they knew. I think they knew too. So weird. So she disappeared and um, the police that were investigating in this were convinced that Heather was dead. And, and Fred had the our um fred also made these repeated statements to his children that her body lay beneath the family patio might be true yeah so they thought it might be true but they weren't sure yeah they thought maybe he's just joking he's just being a weirdo or maybe he's actually telling them the coordinates basically of his daughter's grave that he dug right and the whole reason the police even uh came and raided them in the first place is because his kids were playing outside um, his other kids, not Heather, but the younger ones were outside and a police officer happened to be riding by and started asking them about like are you abuse, things like that. Yeah. And the kids repeated the statement when they asked about mm -hmm. Heather, like, where was Heather? And they're like, Oh, she's, you know, two, two down, down, three across, or I can't remember if it was three down, two across, or One whatever. Of those. <laughs> so they're like, Of course, like something's going on here. So that's why they raided them for uh, child abuse and they ended up finding 
this disgusting porn and you know videos and shit i'm sure it's just a so much evidence but it took police 18 months to gather enough evidence for a warrant to dig up the patio wow. at fred's house on cromwell street for two like whack jobs they did a decent job like covering that's it what all i'm saying up. is they're kind of like evil geniuses in a yeah. way yeah just Ugh. you think someone that's this mentally ill like wouldn't be able to pull this off that well but wow yeah <laughs> And when so they finally got the warrant to search um, the 25 Cromwell Street to locate Heather's remains. And when police displayed this warrant to Rose on February 24, she turned pale before becoming hysterical and shouting over her shoulder to her eldest son, Stephen, get Fred. Oh, my God. And Rose became contradictory in her informal questioning as to the circumstances surrounding Heather's disappearance. When reminded of these contradictions, she became uptight and abusive, shouting at the officers, questioning her, I can't fucking remember. It's a bloody long time ago. What who, What do you think I am? A bloody computer? <laughs> you'd Sounds think like you'd remember person. this, though. Seriously. Your daughter? I mean, good God. Come on. So, yeah. So, Fred actually ended up going to the police station later that day to give shit to the cops for actually believing the family joke that Heather is on the patio under the patio he was such a conniving he's like yeah. maybe i can go and convince yeah. them that how dumb they are for thinking that like, our family joke is kids? real like you're dumb yeah which is kind of an evil genius thought yeah. honestly and the next day on february 25th the news came out that the hunt for heather had begun and that the police are going to rip up the entire uh front yard or the entire yard of the fred's residence of the Freds, <laughs> uh, the West entire year. Of the West, yeah. The Sorry, it's a, it's a lot of reading. Poor Josh. Trying to find any remains of the missing daughter. Take a pause for a sec, because this is a lot to handle. It's brutality, guys. It's it's so brutal, and it only gets more brutal from here. All right, back to the brutality. <laughs> so what the fuck? They're searching Fred's residence. Yes. They're looking for Heather, and in the early hours of February 25th, when his son was about to leave for work, Fred informed him, look, son, look after mom and sell the house. I've done something really bad. I want you to go to the papers and make as much money as you can. Interesting. <laughs> that Again, is so weird. Such evil geniuses. Yes. Though, I like how he's like, look, this. son, look, after mom and I sell the house, like just casually. I've done something just you basically know, just we're a little fucked bad. go get, try to sell the shit hide the evidence get the money for the story yeah sell the story that's crazy that he was willing to do yeah so shortly thereafter police returned to the Cromwell Street home to continue searching for Heather's body upon their arrival Fred indicated his wish to be arrested for Heather's murder and to be taken to Berlin police station to provide a full confession he was then arrested. That's what's so interesting about this is he knew the police were closing in. Yeah. I can't get away with they this. They didn't believe my whole yeah. that it's a joke. They didn't believe it's just a family joke that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got Even neighbors had known about that. Like neighbors had heard the kids say it before. Um, so they all just thought it was a joke. So it was like so bizarre that that was that he was really telling them. I mean, not the smartest move there. Yeah. Seriously, though. So at 1115 a.m. that morning, Fred formally admitted to police that he had indeed killed his daughter in an act of manslaughter. Of course, he confessed to strangling Heather in a fit of rage, then dismembering her body in the ground floor bathroom with a heavy serrated knife he normally used for cutting slabs of frozen meat. Her remains had been stored in a dustbin as he waited for an opportunity to dig her grave. Fred 
was insistent that his wife had no knowledge of her daughter's murder, claiming he had committed this murder as Rose was preoccupied with one of her prostitution clients. Adding the fact that the search team had not yet unearthed Heather's remains was because they had been excavating the wrong section of his garden. And I'm reading this nonchalantly because literally when Fred was saying this, he he was literally talking like no big deal oh, like yeah. like this is normal like a normal thing to do to yeah. butcher your daughter yeah. and put her in, in we'll a we'll play a little pen. bit of audio of him in a second yeah. he's just the way he him. talked in his interviews with the police was so weird it is it's very weird so once fred was in custody fred's defense lawyer received a call from his secretary saying that fred had been arrested for potential murder howard ogden called fred and told him not to say anything until he got there Fred surprisingly responded to Howard saying, I did it. When Howard arrived at the station, Fred went on to talk about how he had killed Heather in extreme gruesome detail. So here's some audio of Fred talking about Heather. Okay, yes. Sorry. So you can hear hear what she sounds like. What he sounds like. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. And I like to think. He buried her and he used to cry. And he used to talk to her a lot, and sort of say sorry for what had happened. I spent more time standing in that garden by her than I like to think. And I used to just go out there and stand and say prayers by her and all that. I mean, you know, I used to actually, you know, tell her to rise and come up. You know, that's a secret I've kept myself for eight years and never told anybody drawing sympathy for yeah so of course that was that's just a little snip yeah. uh, snippet of him yeah. talking but he talks like that mm-hmm. the entire time he's so confessing confessing yeah. this murder so after three days of searching police were still unable to find any sort of leads on Fe- heather's remains and although fred had admit- admitted to burying heather at his house he started to change his story and the police actually gave him volume because fred seemed to be under great distress and it was after this that he started saying that Heather was alive and well, which could be contributed to the drugs, and said that she's possibly at this moment in uh, Bahrain, she works for a drug cartel, and whether you believe it or not, it's tar- entirely up to you. What? So he changed the story after they gave him Valium, yeah. which doesn't seem like that big of a surprise. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've taken Valium before, right? For yeah, you could definitely start get to loopy, like yeah. kind of get loopy. I think. Oh, but yes, for sure. Yeah, it has like a similar effect of like Xanax or something. Right. It's very like, yeah, you'd probably wouldn't be thinking as clearly, especially about like things you could get away with. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much they gave him too. Yeah, being yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't a low dose. But at this point, it was a little too late for Fred to, to change his story because on February 26th, they found a human female femur bone in his backyard, which is a thigh bone. And then again, this is where Fred, uh, Fred admits to murdering his daughter. And after Heather's body has been found, police moved Rosemary to a nearby bugged safe house where they began recording every word that came out of her mouth. She talked about being furious with Fred. However, when you hear her talk, it doesn't sound like She's in complete shock. Yeah, play play so that you guys can hear Rosemary. This is in the safe house.
for wow. two hours after the first room. So she's, yeah, she's pissed at Fred and acts like she is, you know, not shocked that Fred yeah. did that. Like she's yeah. obvious. She's like pissed, but she's not so, like it doesn't sound like somebody that's surprised to find out that their daughter's dead. No, she's more just like she knows she's not stupid she knows if anything she was smarter than fred was it seemed like a lot of these like women who commit crimes are really smart and that's what actually what a lot of investigators say about this is they think that she was kind of the ringleader like yeah. she was the one that kind of like ran the show mm -hmm. and fred may have been more of the follower versus yeah. the leader kind of thing and she knew she was being recorded I think. yeah so she was like i'm just gonna seem like i'm in such shock and ah. So oh yeah, and, she, blah, and blah, blah. notice in that clip how she like protects herself. Yeah, she makes it sound like, oh my god, how could you fucking do this? I'm gonna kill him. Yeah, and because she, she killed she my daughter. Yeah. yeah. So two hours after Heather's remains are found, another discovery is made, and at this point they find more than one femur uh, that ha uh, had been dug up. So they now had a total of three thigh bones. So that obviously means you have more than one person if there's three thigh bones. And Fred was given a chance to explain the extra bones that were found. And when asked if he knew who the person was from, uh, who the extra bones were from, he confessed that he, um, that it was an 18 year old woman named Shirley Robinson. Um, yeah. So Shirley Robinson in 1978, Fred had rented, uh, her a room in his house. He had an affair with her while he was married to Rose and actually ended up getting Shirley pregnant. Fred confessed that he strangled Shirley and then buried her in the yard after dismembering her body. She was still eight months pregnant. And by Saturday the 26th at night, Fred confessed to both the murders of the bodies that the police found. Then during a cigarette break, Fred spoke to his lawyer, Howard Ogden, telling him there was actually a third person. Mm. Police took Wes back to the yard so that he could show investigators where he had buried Shirley's mate. And on March 4th, 1994, uh, Fred was being pressured to confess to any more killings that he may have committed. They're like, well, they're like, well, if there's three bodies and there's got to be more like this guy's obviously probably a serial killer. And at first, Fred sticks to his original story. They had just killed two women until he finally caved in and said, there's a fucking load more. So <laughs> the search obviously goes from just searching for a couple people to now searching for a lot of people because um, clearly there's a lot more bodies. He's mm -hmm. like, there's a fucking load more. On March 9th, 1994, they dug up a total of nine bodies. Oh, my God. And Fred was actually only able to identify three of the bodies. So it was up to investigators to try and carefully and correctly identify the other bodies. Do you think he actually couldn't remember who they were? Probably not. I bet he could. Yeah. I bet he, knowing him, especially the fact that he took their bones, things like that. Yeah. They seem smart enough to to know who they killed. Yeah. Um, and luckily, the investigators were eventually able to identify all of them. And Fred tried to excuse his crime by saying that when he was provoked, he was overcome with the overwhelming urge to kill. So weird. And Fred made it seem as though the killings were unplanned and that the reason they happened was because he was unexpectedly pr provoked. Huh. And however, the actual investigative team that was digging at his yard found evidence that said otherwise. They found a long knife, belts, and underwear that were tied into knots and loops, and a lot of sticky adhesive tape, which had been formed into a mask shape. Yeah, they were making masks out of tape for mm -hmm. these women. And several of the bodies had tape wrapped around their heads, and one had even had tubes going up the nose. 
so that they could keep her alive for a while. Yeah, in order they like to do this over like a long period of time. Right. So there's no way that if uh, Fred killed them all unexpectedly every time. No. Clearly, he had he got like killing supplies. He had this shit planned out. This yeah. is not just like oh shit and really nine times. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, this is more than that. Oh my gosh. So police knew that there was more bodies to be dug up, so they came up with a plan to trick Fred into uncovering the other bodies. They knew that Fred had mentioned the spirits of the bodies and how they would often communicate with him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Police decided that they would tell Fred that the spirits from the bodies already found were removed, and so that if there were any other bodies still buried, that they would be the only spirits that could communicate with Fred at that point. So what? Fred actually was able to get in contact with one of the spirits using a red spray can and he actually marked where the body was and the digging continued and on tuesday march 10th the final remains were found in the basement it took them 11 days to dig up the nine bodies in the house and this basement was fucking creepy as hell there was like shit like weird writings on the walls it was just like it looks like a place straight out of a horror movie like some saw shit or something it's it's crazy looking is there, um, oh, here's him this, talking about the spirits. spirits. Yeah. There is one more girl in there, and I just cannot pinpoint exactly where she is because there was far too much in there last night. I could not stop any of it. Now, I couldn't trap her to where she was and hold her there so I could trace her, you know, go back. Because when you've got these things like that, the person will actually come out and float, and float around with you, and you can actually send them back to where they are, wherever they're buried, you can go back. She was flying around the room. That's why I couldn't hold her to see what she looked like. She would not come she would not come into my mind for me to hold her and see what, what she the was. Fuck? I mean what it, does he think this is? I mean to be honest, it could be any of the girls. It's not the Dutch <laughs> So it's girl nothing. He's but I mean it could have been any of the other girls because there is a girl flying around that room. Why she's doing it is what I'm trying to work on. What? Come on, dude. You believe that? You believe he was like able to see the spirits of the girls? No. I mean, maybe. Honestly, I don't know if he's making it up. He could just be insane and just saying stuff like that or felt such guilt that he created this like fake, you know, scenario where he's having spirits come to him. But it could be real, man. They could have been haunting him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends on what you think about spirits and the afterlife and everything. But I don't think it's completely untrue. I don't think he. No, I mean, I don't know what he saw, but it's. I don't know. It seems like he's kind of playing it yeah, up a I little bit. Yeah, I think my like, gut tells me he's like either imagine this. Like, can and you he trust was, him at this point? <laughs> no, and he's like mentally ill, so yeah, it's hard to say. But I but, just do believe in spirits being able to communicate, and I do believe that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying it's completely untrue. Yeah, I just don't know about the like physical form. Like, can they yeah. take this like physical no. form where they can float around and you can see them? Like he said, I saw them. I doubt I it. I couldn't trap it. Like it, that entails that he could see it. He was like trying to like but trap it. But maybe he could. Like maybe that they really came maybe. back. Wouldn't you come back and fuck with someone who killed with killed yeah, you? That's true. That's true. So. It's like some Casper. Yeah. <laughs> but Casper. Casper is not evil. Yeah. Or trying to come for revenge. Yeah. But the I just want to note that like the the like he doesn't sound like somebody that would do the things that they did, but they did like some straight up like if you've evil, ever seen stuff. Saw, Saw or Hostel or any of these like torture horror movies, that's basically what he did. Like he would cut people's knuckles off, he'd hang them upside down from and the beams downstairs. Strange parts of their bodies, and most serial killers keep something like in the show Dexter. He keeps the blood samples, takes the drop uh, of blood, the yeah. 
Golden State Killer kept personal items like re- wedding rings and like picture frames and stuff like that. Every serial killer kind of marks. Yeah, they well, they, you know, it's very personal. These killings, the way that they're doing them, I mean, you're literally there for people's last breaths and you're taking that from them and like that there's there's got it there's some sort of experience to that yes i i mean they think most of these women were tortured for a while yes over a period of days even you know yeah brutally upside down brutally tortured yeah and i mean there's tools there's all kinds of weird things yeah i mean that's the thing about this case is at the end of the day we have no idea like what exactly happened because they lied so much and it's hard it's just hard to figure out since no one was there but them and they're liars. So. Yeah. So here, here's a breakdown of where all the bodies were found. Heather West, Allison Chambers, and Shirley Robinson were found in the back garden of the house. A woman named Linda uh, Gao was found underneath the floor in the bathroom. On the opposite side of the house, under the concrete in the cellar, Teresa uh, Sigan, Taller, Lucy Partington, Juanita Mott, Shirley Hubbard, and last but not least, Carol Cooper were found. And once police had dug up the remains, they started piecing together the remains. And when they what they noticed was a strange pattern in the various bodies. They found that the majority of the bodies had missing kneecaps, hands, and feet. Good God. Fuck, that's crazy. In fact, there were over a total of 270 bones missing. Eight out of the nine remains were found with various items used for bondage. Six out of the nine had missing kneecaps. So it seems and they like the were kneecaps putting, are... I don't know if it's in here somewhere else. I can't remember if you put it in here, but... Um, they were putting like part of their like bones, like at least kneecaps, I remember for sure, into their walls, like as bricks. Like it was built into the walls of their yeah. house. Well, it seems like Fred was like pretty handy with that stuff. So like he was able to like pull up the floors, bury him underneath the bathroom yeah. and make it look like he was able to cover his tracks very, very, very well. well. Yeah. Because like, you're, like ugh, seriously, no one ever noticed any of that that happened to be there. Or maybe they never had anybody at their house. It's crazy. But what we know is that Fred West's first known murder took place in um, in Herefordshire, England, a decade before the killings at his house on Cromwell Street. That was his first one. Hmm. And they actually, uh, after 55 days of digging in June 7, 1994, they actually found Anne McFall's remains uh, were found in Finger Post Field. Her body was the 12th and final murder that had been discovered. That, that happened, as far as we know, at the hands of Fred. Now, Rosemary, despite Fred's insistence that his wife had held no knowledge of any of the murders, investigators were um, suspected otherwise, which I would have suspected that too, Mm -hmm. just by the way she's acting. Yeah. But Rosemary was actually arrested on April 20th, 1994, initially on offenses relating to the rape of an 11-year-old girl and the physical assault of an 8-year-old boy. Both charges were dating from the mid to 1970s. The following day, she was refused bail and transferred to Puckle Church Prison to be held in the maximum security wing. And it was here she was questioned more closely about the murders, in particular those of her daughter, Linda uh, Gao, or of, or in particular to those of her daughter and Linda Gao, sorry. And on April 25th, she was formally charged with Gao's murder. So they think she killed her. And by May 6th, Fred and Rose were jointly charged with five counts of murder, with Rosemary simply replying, I'm innocent, upon hearing each formal charge. This proved to be a continuous trait throughout each of the 46 interviews investigators held with Rosemary prior to her trial. 
I think she always planned on like Fred taking all the fall. Yeah, I think that it seems like it was very like pre-planned. Like I think I'm sure they actually talked about this. It really seems like that because the fact that Fred gave up so quickly and immediately like it seemed like they had a premeditated plan. Yeah. Once we get caught, I'll kill myself. And sorry, I just spoiled that. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Spoiler. Wait, okay. We'll we'll, we'll get there here in a sec. All right, sorry. So on June 30th, 1994, Fred and Rosemary West were brought before the court and Fred was charged with 11 murders and Rose was charged with nine. And this was the first time that the couple had seen each other since Fred's February arrest. And prior to hearing the formal charges against them, Fred leaned towards his wife and gently placed his hand upon her shoulder. In response, Rose, having ignored her husband's presence, visibly winced in discomfort. So really trying to play that victim card. And I bet you anything. I mean, this is proof that she was smarter than him. He went in there and expected her to be like, oh, this is, this sucks. I miss you. And, and she was right. so cold. He was so upset by this, so hurt by her doing that. Um, but that just shows she wasn't doing that because she didn't love Fred. She probably did. She probably wanted to hug him back. But she was smart enough to know that they. I've been saying all this stuff. It doesn't line up about, with my story. It yeah. doesn't line up with my story if I were to be like, oh, Fred. Because she said, I hate him. I fuck no forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. hate him. Whatever yeah, the hell she yeah. said. So he she doesn't has to know play that. Along that. Right. He's been in jail, thinking this is my big time to see her. She misses me so much. She was smarter. She was the brains of it. Gave the cold money on it. Yeah, I guarantee you too. So, both were actually ordered held on remand. Which, when a person is remanded in custody, means that they will be detained in a prison until later date when a trial or sentencing hearing will take place. And the majority of prisoners on remand have not been convicted of a criminal offense are just in are just awaiting trial following a not guilty plea. So immediately after this court appearance, Fred was rearrested on suspicion of murdering Anne McFall, whose body had been found on June 7th, but had not been officially identified until the state. And at this point, Fred is official or formally charged with her murder. So as Fred is being held on remand at Winston Green Prison in the months following his arrest, Fred became increasingly depressed. This became worse after Rose's public rejection of him in court and her refusal to reply to letters he sent her and reports leaked to the press in which she, Rose, had assumed the role of a grieving mother who had lost a daughter and stepdaughter to her husband and in which she declared both her innocence of murder and her hatred of him. She, yeah, yeah, she... That was the plan. That was the plan. For her to look like an abused woman who lost her daughter... And yes. had, no idea. had to be the submissive. I had to do it. He forced me. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was very selfish, but she learned that from her dad. Take what you need. And even if that means selling your husband down the river by himself, you know, like do what you need to do to protect you first. Be, they were she was selfish. She was raised to be selfish. Absolutely. It was all about her. It was like it's like survival of the fittest almost like both I just, of them. I like, can't imagine if you and I were some like crazy criminals and we'd like done something or robbed a bank. Sorry, I'm not talking right into the mic. But if we were doing something wrong and mm-hmm. like, you, and we just decided you were going to take the blame, I could not live with myself being like, he's in jail and I'm getting away with it. I feel like that's so weird. Like, it's definitely the opposite of like the Bonnie and Clyde type thing. Like, yeah. go down together. No, it's like it was like I'm gonna let you <laughs> once take the ship all the starts blame, sinking. I'm you know, out. I'm bailing and you're going down all by yourself. So yep. yeah, that's that's not love at Mm-mm. all. No. And so Fred pleaded with his son, Stephen and Anna, Anna Marie, the only children to visit their father while in jail to convey to them that are to convey to Rose that he loved her. 
but Rose never gave any acknowledgement after after his arrest, essentially. Mm. So in response, Fred withdrew his earlier confessions to having acted alone in the murders and instead accused his wife of almost total responsibility yeah. in all the murders to which he had he been charged. Angry. Excluding uh, Anne McFalls, mm -hmm. which he had claimed to have been committed by his first wife, Rena. God, wow. of course. Of course. So... Like I preluded to earlier, on January 1st, 1995, Fred West hung himself in his cell using a blanket and tags that he stole from the prison laundry. And in a way, I know it's so hard thinking of what these people did, but you have to have like some understanding of why. Like Their life was so messed up. They were raised by monsters, both of them. Um, and I mean, you'd probably kill yourself at that point. I mean, why wouldn't you? His life has been horrible. Like from birth it's been utter destruction from birth. yeah and people who are angry do things to other people hurt people hurt other people yeah so they're I mean, they're a they're a danger to themselves and to society in the fullest to the fullest extent like and the parents of him never will have to take responsibility for the right. monster they created yeah because at the end of the day who's really yeah. at fault here right well if you go back to the very beginning it's their parents their parents yeah. are essentially responsible for the deaths of of these 12 oh, absolutely. They uh, are of these people that died at the hands of fred and rose i mean it's it's so clear and what and basically fred left a suicide note in his cell um which was a drawing of a gravestone in which he wrote in loving memory fred west rose west rest in peace where no shadow falls in perfect peace he waits for rose his wife weird writing your own tombstone interesting so that was like kind of it's like this weird they live this like bizarre fantasy together well they're both such damaged humans that in a way i'm sure they really did have a strong connection and a strong love they were a great astrological match of uh, uh sagittarius and the libra um mm -hmm. so in a way they probably connected they, on a lot of yeah. levels if you think about like their child they probably connected on childhood on these emotional feelings these urges they probably just it was like that's why they were so successful yeah. in being able to carry out these murders is because they were so in sync you could argue you yeah. know like the, with each other and their each other's emotional uh thoughts and feelings and just their mental capacity mm -hmm. so here's what happened to rosemary after seven weeks of evidence, the jury had come to a conclusion. And on November 21st or 22nd, the jury found Rose guilty on all 10 accounts of murder. The judge made it clear that if two people take part in a murder, the law considers them equally guilty, regardless of which of them did the deed. I would, I think that's fair. Absolutely. And the judge sentenced Rosemary to life in prison uh, and emphasized that she would never be paroled or released. And initially, Rose was incarcerated at HMP Bronzefield, but she was later transferred to HM Prison Low Newton, where she will remain the rest of her life. And although Rosemary has been sentenced to life, to this day, she still claims her innocence in all of this. Wow. She's sticking to the story, even though all of the evidence suggests otherwise. Yeah. So here's, here's the aftermath of those two. After the 1994 arrest of their parents, uh, the four youngest West children were given a new identities to protect them from the notoriety of their family, which makes sense, obviously. As kids of serial killers, you don't want to be walking around with their name. 
So in March 1996, Rose announced her intentions to appeal her sentence. This appeal was rejected by Lord Chief Justice Taylor, who concluded that Rosemary had received a fair trial and efficient legal representation. And in July 1997, then-Home Secretary Jack Straw subjected Rose to a whole-life tariff. Uh, this would basically deny her uh, possibility of any parole ever. And in October 2000, Rose again announced that she would appeal against her sentence uh, via her lawyer, Leo Goatley. And in September 2001, she announced her intentions to cancel her appeals, stating she would never feel free even if released. Basically, she just knew she was fucked. So yeah, trying to still c- clean her name, you know? Yeah. Weird. So yeah, again, all the way up to today, she admits she has nothing to do with murders and that she's 100% innocent. 100% innocent. Sure, dude. Yeah, sure, dude. Sure, dude. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. It's very interesting. A lot of the times women I've noticed personally, I mean, I'm not like giving you a statistic here, but what I've noticed from the cases I've looked at when women commit really heinous stuff, they like still want to be innocent. Like they're all about clearing their name. Even if they know they're going to be in jail forever and they've been caught, they like still hold on to their innocence. Like so many of them. It seems like more often it's men that eventually cave and just confess and like don't mind being known as so brutal but like women want to like save their reputation yeah Um, yeah not all the time but some of the time yeah and it was interesting that like fred literally like just like confessed all of it you know he confessed to all the killings um that he did and that's how we essentially know what happened to these people that were killed um he confessed to he told investigators everything i think he just accepted his identity as a serial killer he's like i know what i am well, just, a lot of serial killers are like proud of it yeah yeah end. that's what it seems like it seems like he wanted to like Finally. make sure his work was acknowledged when he yeah. like why else would you want to confess all yeah. this you know so we have um a list of the victims and kind of like some more the information timeline on it. and we'll like leave that in the description box for any of you guys who are interested as well as some documentaries that are interesting i mean there's one that's like three hours so it's impossible to include every bit of information there's a ton on these people so if you're interested in this case definitely look into it further on your own you know do your own research because there's more to look into with them for sure well yeah i mean because you can we could we could dive into each of the victims and and they all have a story and they all deserve more time than just like going through as a list right exactly we we gave their names and if you want to know more about like what they went through and everything i mean it's it's pretty brutal stuff and it's all it's all relatively the same the the general you know the general plan that fred did was he would drive around in a van with rosemary they would drive around in this van and they would look for unsuspecting victims and they would often target prostitutes homeless people people that if they disappeared, it wouldn't be shocking. It wouldn't be shocking. Their relatives be may like not come immediately. At them so hard, right. yeah, immediately. So they would often approach the individuals, you know, say, "Hey, you want to come back? You know, yeah. have sexual relations with with us or with mm-hmm. Rosemary or you know for money or whatever." And they would essentially bring abduct them at this point, bring them back, and then subject them to horrific torture, gruesome, gruesome torture, and. And, and essentially end up killing them and burying them at their property. Yeah. And they did this time and time again uh, yeah. with these young women. And, and uh, you know. I just cannot understand how you just keep doing that. I'd be I, it, so fucked up just from like witnessing one of these murders, let alone mm-hmm. all of these. I can I just can't imagine. These people are so beyond. 
Uh, just completely craziness. fucked situation. And, you know, I, as with any crime that we cover or any, especially, especially just the uh, pure brutality of this is just, you know, we obviously, you know, if any family members that know people or, you know, if there's anybody out there that knows these individuals that were victims of, of Fred and Rosemary West, I just want to say like, you know, my thoughts are with you guys and just, yes, you know, I can't I feel, imagine, I can't even, can't even imagine knowing that one of your loved ones were subjected to these fucking evil, evil pieces of shit for, for real, seriously terrible terrible yeah. humans but wrong place at the wrong time for a lot of them it seems like seriously but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the mile heart podcast if you did please like and subscribe to the youtube channel make sure you subscribe on itunes leave a uh, rating or review but thanks again guys it was a lot of fun yes. covering this and very interesting case definitely look into it more if you're interested in it i'll leave some resources links in the description for quip and skillshare make sure you check those out we really appreciate it but that's it. We're out, guys. Episode 22 in the books. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next Mile Higher Monday, baby.